Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani, Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini. The show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, why are you the people allowing this puppet administration to ignore the Constitution? Why are you tolerating political prostitution? Are you waiting for someone else to fight your revolution? Because, darlings, that won't serve your soul's evolution. We're on the precipice. The bad guys are taking the piss. Pay attention or you will be dismissed, sad, mad, slightly bad little world. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful. <laughs> I'll admit to that. But we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, God, we do love the odd shot now and then. In fact, and sometimes we need it more than others. Today is one of those days. Let me take a take a take a little sippy poo of today's experimental bevy. Mm, here goes. Interesting. I think that could grow on me. I hope it does because I have a, a full glass ahead of me. If you're joining us for the first time, hello, a warm welcome to you. Be advised, we are not politically correct, so as not to erode the intellect. If you have been conned by wokeism or critical race theory, or if, you know, you've been conned by the it's okay to let your five-year-old choose their gender crowd, this show is not for you. So move along now, nothing to see here. On this show, we honor spirit sense and common sense. Yes, folks, this is where the Holy Spirit meets top-shelf distilled spirits. No canned cocktails here. We make our mixers from scratch to honor the fact that the divine spirit within us cannot be matched. You know, my darlings, I think we started Metaphysical Martini back in 2019. It was in the middle of 2019, towards the end. I can't remember. But... Given that it's 2023, this means we've entered our four year of metaphysical mixology and mayhem. And who would have thought it? I had no idea how it would be received, but we gained a steady following over the years and started to reach hits past the thousand mark. And then, and then, as if the First Amendment did not exist, 
PooTube censored Cosmic Reality Radio and took down years' worth of podcasts from multiple presenters. And that was quite a blow, because PooTube made the podcasts easy to access for your casual, you know, your casual internet listener. So hardcore supporters will always go to reality's website and download from there. But PooTube made the pods accessible to millions of internet explorers and adventurers. So shame on you, YouTube PooTube, for supporting the agents of darkness by censoring free speech. And huzzah and thank you to all the podcasting platforms that do not censor free speech. Cosmic Reality Radio podcasts are available across multiple podcasting platforms, and we shall not be silenced. No, we shall not. We shall never be silenced. And all of my metaphysical martini shows are also posted on BitChute and on Rumble. And just because we wanted to see what would happen, we reposted them all under my name on my channel on YouTube. And guess what? <laughs> Most are still up, but they took... They took six of them down. Maybe they took eight of them down. They've been removed for misinformation, which you see is another name for telling the truth. So we stopped posting on PooTube. Um, if you want my stuff, you can go to PooTube, but it's not all there. And to all my martini heads, I am so happy to be on this journey of discovery with you. Keep your sense of humor intact because you will need it to negotiate the choppy waters ahead. All righty, darlings, what do we have on today's show? Well, for starters, let's talk about the Constitution of the United States of America. The current administration seems to have forgotten all about it. How strange is that? It's almost as though they want to destroy the principles of sovereignty upon which this country was founded. And how bizarre is that? They would rather have a race of mind-controlled automatons than free-thinking Americans. Well, on this show, my darling, in between sips of Bebby, we want to put a stop to that because we believe that wokeism is brokeism and critical race theory is propaganda, dark and eerie. So what is the Constitution? And why am I talking about it out of the blue all of a sudden? Well, you know, I may talk a little bit more about that later, but I've lived in this country as a legal resident alien for 33 years. And next month, I will be taking the oath of allegiance and become a full-blown citizen. And if you think I'm vocal now, wait until I hold that piece of paper in my hand. And God help the deep state, because I will be the mosquito in their tent. The Constitution is the supreme law of the United States of America. And if you want to know all about it without having to become some sort of lawyer, just go to the National Archives and they'll tell you all about it. And you can do this online. You don't have to travel there. So we want to think of the Constitution as like a colossal merger, uniting a group of states with different interests, laws and cultures. You know, early America was a different place. Under America's first national government, the Articles of Confederation, the states acted together only for specific purposes. Now, the Constitution, what it did, it united its citizens as members of a whole, vesting the power of the union in the people. And without it, 
the American experiment would have ended as quickly as it had begun. Now, moves are being made to end it now, of course, with this attempted New World Order takeover, and it baffles me that people still seem unaware of this. So let's take a look at the history of it. How did it come about and all of that sort of thing? Because, well, there was concern about the Articles of Confederation. Just a few years after the Revolutionary War, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, my name is Alexander Hamilton, and George Washington feared their young country was on the brink of collapse. America's first constitution, the Articles of Confederation, gave the Confederation Congress the powers to make rules and request funds from the states, but it had no enforcement powers. It couldn't regulate commerce and it couldn't print money. So the state's disputes over territory, war pensions, taxation and trade, well, that threatened to tear this young country apart. Alexander Hamilton helped convince Congress to organize a grand convention of state delegates to work on revising the Articles of Confederation. And so we move on to the Constitutional Convention. Now, this is the sort of um, brief version I'm giving you here. I'm in no shape or form uh, a lawyer uh, or an expert on the Constitution, okay? So we're moving on to the Constitutional Convention, which was assembled in Philadelphia, where the lovely cream cheese comes from, in May of 1787. The delegates shuttered the windows of the State House and swore secrecy so they could speak freely. Although they had gathered to revise the Articles of Confederation, by mid-June, they had decided to completely redesign the government. And there wasn't much agreement about what form that would take. One of the fiercest, fiercest arguments, or so we're told, was over congressional representation. What should it be based on? Should it be based on population or divided equally among the states? So the framers compromised by giving each state one representative for every 30,000 people in the House of Representatives and two representatives in the Senate. They agreed to count enslaved Africans as three-fifths of a person. Slavery itself, of course, was a thorny question, as it always has been, and threatened to derail the Union. It was temporarily resolved when the delegates agreed that the slave trade could continue until 1808. There's so much more to the whole question of slavery. We think the Civil War was only about slavery, but it really, when you start to read, I mean, it was a big issue, of course, slavery, but it was about states' rights, taxation, um, that sort of thing. Anyway, the Constitution somehow got written. <laughs> um, and we are told that after three hot summer months of equally heated debate, the delegates appointed a committee of detail to put its decisions in writing. And near the end of the convention, a committee of style and arrangement put it into its final form, condensing 23 articles into seven in less than four days. So I don't think anyone got any sleep during that period. So where are we now with the writing of the Constitution? We're approximately the middle of September in 1787, where 38 delegates signed the Constitution. George Reed signed for John Dickinson of Delaware, who was absent, and that brought the total number of signatures to 39. And if we think about it, it was an extraordinary achievement. 
I mean, tasked with revising the existing government, the delegates came up with a completely new one. Like, oh, yeah, we could rework this, but guess what, folks? We could come up with a whole new government. But of course, they were wary about centralized power and they were loyal to their states. You know, creating a powerful central government. Mm. So representing wildly different interests and views, they compromised. And it stands today as one of the longest lived and most emulated, admired and revered constitutions in the world, as it should be, except, of course, by the current puppet administration who wants to destroy America and turn us into a new world order gulag. Good luck with that, dark ones. It's not going to happen. All right, so we've written the Constitution. How fabulous was that? Um, now what do we do? We ratify it. And uh, for anybody who doesn't understand what ratification is, it has nothing to do with rodents, my darlings. A ratification is sort of a formal okay. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, this looks good. We'll officially sanction it. So the founders set the terms for ratifying the Constitution. They bypassed the state legislatures, reasoning that their members would be reluctant to give up power to a national government. Ha ha, of course they would. I would. But instead, they called for a special ratifying convention in each state. So ratification by nine of the 13 states, remember this is early America, the original 13 states, um, enacted the new government. But at that time, only six of the 13 states reported a pro-constitution majority. You know, don't forget, these people had been terrorized by central government, and that central government would be the British monarchy. The Federalists who believed that a strong central government was necessary to face the nation's challenges, needed to convert at least three more of those states. The anti-federalists, they fought hard against the constitution because it created a powerful central government that reminded them of the one they had just overthrown. And of course, it lacked a bill of rights. So by all accounts, it was a bit of a soap opera I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall on something like this. The ratification campaign, we are told, oh, was a true nail biter. And the tide turned in Massachusetts, where the vote now, but amend later compromised, helped secure the victory in that state. And eventually, you know, in all of the final holdouts. So huzzah for Massachusetts. And we can say, and the lights all went on in Massachusetts. Oh, I just had to throw that in there. All right, so we've ratified the Constitution. Huzzah. Who signed it? 39 of the 42 men present signed the Constitution. George Washington, of course, the father of our nation, was first, followed by each state delegation descending from north to south. George Mason, Eldridge, Gary, Edmund Randolph, they refused to sign because the Constitution lacked a Bill of Rights. Fair enough. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams did not sign because they were on a diplomatic mission uh, in Europe. They're somewhere having fun. Okay, what does the Constitution of the United States say? Now, don't panic. If at this point you think that I'm going to go through every single article in the entire Constitution, I'm not. But let's just, you know, summarize. The Constitution of the United States, it contains a preamble and seven articles that describe the way the government is structured and how it operates. 
The first three articles establish the three branches of government and their powers. So we have the legislative branch, which is Congress, the baboon. <laughs> what is it? A, a, a bunch of baboons is called a Congress, right? So it's a Congress of baboons. That's your legislative branch. Then you have the executive branch, which is the office of the president and the federal agencies, and the judicial, which of course is the federal court system. And a system of checks and balances prevents, ha-ha, any one of those separate powers from becoming dominant. Articles 4 through 7, they describe the relationship of the states to the federal government. They establish the Constitution as the supreme law of the land. So how dare you ignore it, current administration? Um, and it defines the amendment and ratification processes. If you're an American citizen or a registered alien who wants to become an American citizen and you are unfamiliar with the Constitution, you should rectify that pronto because citizenship is not a spectator sport. And if you treat it as such, your country becomes a free for all money laundering operation run by greedy little peons with huge egos who in turn are owned and operated by very clever sociopaths who owe their allegiance to an entity who, having turned its back on all things good and holy, pollutes our realm with depravity and dark distraction, quite literally hell-bent on making sure we never reach our full potential as creations of source creator I am. The original constitution, of course, was created on a parchment document. State delegates approved the draft of the constitution on September 15, 1787. The signing was set for the very next Monday. And one Jacob Shallus, the assistant clerk for the Pennsylvania General Assembly, agreed to copy in a fine, clear hand the document. And over the course of about 40 hours, he must have worked really quickly. Over the course of just 40 hours, he created an accurate transcription of the draft and he was paid $30 for his efforts, which probably was quite a lot of money in 1787. So September 17th, the document is ready for signing. The chief aim of the constitution as drafted by the convention was to create a government with enough power to act on a national level but without so much power that fundamental rights would be at risk. And take a look around you today at the Bordello show that passes for national government. Tell me how we're doing. So let's take a quick look at who were the framers, the original states, except Rhode Island, collectively appointed 70 individuals, 70-70, to the Constitutional Convention. A number of these individuals did not accept or could not attend, including uh, Richard Henry Lee, Patrick Henry, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Sam Adams, who made excellent beer, and John Hancock. But in all, 55 delegates attended the Constitutional Convention sessions, but only 39 actually signed the Constitution. And the delegates ranged in age from um, a very young 26-year-old Jonathan Dayton to Benjamin Franklin. Oh, Benjamin Franklin, I just love you. You were such a character. He was 81 and he was so infirm that he had to be carried to the sessions in a sedan chair, no doubt with a lovely bottle of port by his side to keep him vital and invigorated. So there's your constitution. Go look it up. What are the amendments then? Let's talk about the amendments. There are 27 constitutional amendments. 
25 of these are currently active. Um, the two amendments of the Constitution that are not active are the 18th and the 21st. The 18th was prohibition, which, oh my God, for a martini head, prohibition, I do not like the 18th. And then, of course, the 21st, which repealed the prohibition. Woohoo! I like the 21st. The 21st said we could drink again. Now, why am I talking about the amendments? Am I going to go through all 27 of them? No, darlings, I'm not. But you see, have you heard of the Bill of Rights? The first 10 of these amendments are known as the Bill of Rights. And that relates to personal and individual rights, something that is being questioned, challenged, eroded, squashed in today's world. So the Bill of Rights was ratified by three fourths of the state legislature on December 15th, 1791. Interesting note. Um, over 11,000 additional Constitution amendments have been proposed, with approximately 200 proposed for an amendment process every year. And wow, that seems a lot, but we still only have 27 and 25 are active. And the reason for that, I think, is um, proposed constitutional amendments. Um, if you want to pass those, it's a very, very complicated process. But I am going to take us through the Bill of Rights today. The First Amendment is about freedom of speech. The notion that the government will not interfere with the ability of the people, the press or religious groups to express their views or to protest in favor of them. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. In other words, if I want to say in public that this vaccine is not a vaccine, and it's not what they say it is, and that it's killing people, I don't need permission because it is my right to do so. If I want to say that the press have been compromised to become the mouth of Sauron, it is my right to express myself thusly. I don't need a license. I don't need permission. It is my right. And if me, if me and my patriot homies, if we want to assemble peaceably and sing the Star Spangled Banner while taking care not to disrupt traffic and the daily business of commerce, it is our right to do so. We don't need permission. And if I want to tell the government it is ignoring the Constitution and generally doing a piss poor job at governing, it is my right to do so. The Second Amendment is about the right to bear arms. And I think we all know how I feel about that. In the modern world, the continued right to own firearms and protect property according to the law, that's what it means in our world. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And while scholars may and will argue the meaning of pretty much anything, I believe it speaks for itself. An unarmed populace can 
an armed populace can defend itself against the tyrannical government. Without the Second Amendment, in this time of attempted New World Order takeover, we would all be in concentration camps. Furthermore, all of that aside, I am responsible for my safety and the safety of my family. If I fear for my life or the life of my partner, my Glock is accessible, nice and snug on my hip. And as a responsible, well-trained gun owner, where danger is present, I would never reveal and handle my firearm unless I was prepared to shoot. And when I shoot, I shoot to stay alive, not to kill someone. If you look back in history at all the populations that were disarmed, why were they disarmed and what happened to them? If a government wants to disarm its own population, it's because they're going to do something that they deserve to get shot for. I will never surrender my firearms, and I know millions of Americans who feel exactly the same way. Let's move on to the Third Amendment. The Third Amendment is a law stating that citizens do not have to house soldiers in wartime or peacetime if they do not consent to do so. To quote, no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. So what do we take from this, my darlings? We take from this that clearly the British abuse the whole without consent scenario. So huzzah for the Third Amendment. Moving on to the Fourth Amendment. That is about the right of the people of the United States to feel secure in their homes and possessions without fear of unreasonable searches and seizures. So what does this relate to? It relates to modern law concerning the need for a warrant to search property. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Now, again, I never studied law, but this is easy to understand. The authorities can't barge into your home or place of business or whatever, wherever you are, and do as they please. They need a warrant and the warrant has to be specific. They can't search and seize a whole city block because someone resembling someone may or may not have been spotted in that area or its environs. They need specifics and they need to convince a judge their actions are necessary. Moving on to the Fifth Amendment, which is commonly known as the Double Jeopardy Law. So what is this all about? Um, those tried and acquitted for a crime cannot be tried again for that same crime. Also, the accused cannot be asked to be a witness against themselves. No person shall be called to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia when in actual service in time of war or public danger. 
nor shall any person be subject for the same offence to be twice put into jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for private use without just compensation. Clearly, all of these laws were written because the British abused them. The Sixth Amendment is about the right of all citizens of the United States to a speedy and fair public trial. This also means an impartial jury and the right to a defense counsel and witness in their favor. Where are all the people from that January the 6th thing? Are they being held without trial? I, I, I have to admit there's so much going on right now, I seem to have lost track. Have they had a speedy and fair public trial? It also infers the concept of innocent until proven guilty. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right of a speedy public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted by the witness against him, to have compulsory for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Innocent until proven guilty. I like that. The Seventh Amendment gives us the right for any claimant to take a matter to court and trial by jury when the value in question exceeds $20. Well, clearly $20 <laughs> was a lot of money back then. Um, now it buys you eggs if you can find them. Anyway, Seventh Amendment is the Seventh Amendment is wonderful. It, 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 it really is because now since eggs cost $20, if someone steals your omelette, you can take them to trial. In suits at common law where the value in controversy should exceed $20, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved, and no fact tried by a jury shall otherwise be re-examined in any court of the United States other than according to the rules of common law. Okay, that's great. We understand that. The Eighth Amendment. I think that some of these amendments no one's really paying attention to. Stuff goes on behind the scenes you really wouldn't know. The Eighth Amendment is a ban on extreme punishments for crimes focusing on those that are cruel and unusual, and that includes excessive fines or bail. Excessive bail should not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments punishments inflicted. Um, and again, I say, where, where are the January the 6th people? I've really got to catch up with that. We do know that a lot of waterboarding and a lot of bad things happen under military jurisdiction. Um, clearly this applies to civilian law. I'm not enough of a lawyer to say what happens if a civilian gets arrested by the military. But um, anyway, that's the Eighth Amendment. The Ninth Amendment clarifies that the United States citizens have far more rights than those currently listed and that their absence doesn't diminish their importance. Um, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Um, in other words, just because it's not listed here, it doesn't mean you don't have that right. And finally, on to the 10th Amendment. What does this do, Arnie? Can you explain this? Um, the 10th Amendment attempts to separate, to separate uh, federal and state law, where the federal government only has the powers assigned to it via the United States Constitution. Let me get this straight. 
The federal government only has the powers assigned to it via the United States Constitution. The states have power over everything else. So the powers, and it reads, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited to it by the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So big government, which we have to get rid of people, big government is bad, bad, bad. Big government has to go by the Constitution, but individual states have wiggle room. And that's why in some states you can you can have constitutional gun carry, which all states should have, and in some states you don't. And some states are okay with the abortion, and some states are not. Um, hmm. I'll leave you to read the other 17 amendments, along with any and all books that you can find on civics and American history. I'm of a mind that parents should demand that civics be taught in American schools and that parents should demand that unadulterated American history be taught in American schools. You can't just dismiss whole eras or ignore parts of our history that you find unpalatable. You know, and if you do look back in your history, you will see how many times dictators, brutal regimes, totalitarian regimes, this is what they do. They say, oh, no, 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 it didn't happen. We'll re rewrite history from our point of view. I, um, I don't talk to as many groups these days as I used to, uh, but I suspect as people are waking up, I will be doing a lot more talking um, with these groups. I mean, I talk nonstop for a living. Um, I don't talk as much with young people as I used to, and a great a great deal of that is because young people don't listen these days. They just are their parrots. Um, a common argument, people with no detailed knowledge of our history make because they, 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 they don't understand that there's a divide and conquer agenda here. Um, they say things like, oh, Arnie, you say the founding fathers had a spiritual vision for America and that it's all a big shaman thing and blah, 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 but we had slavery. Oh, did we? Why, yes, we did. The British brought slaves from Africa to America. And by the way, they didn't just show up one day, the British, and say, oh, I say, old chap, there's a whole continent populated by dark-skinned people. Let's go there and help ourselves to a few so we can have free labor for our colonies and increase our profits. You know, it's not that easy. People, on the whole, don't enjoy enslavement, and they will resist and they will fight back. But on every continent, we have groups of people who don't like each other and are willing to make deals with people such as the British to harm their enemies. The British that brought slavery to America, because before America became the United States of America, it was 13 original colonies beholding to the British crown. Study the history books and see how these deals were made. And as for slavery in general, it happened. And it is still happening on many levels in many different ways all over the world. Now, my little woke idiot friends, 
Do we have slaves in America today working on the plantations? I mean, slaves of old, mere chattels, sovereignty denied and owned by other men. Do we still have that here? No, we don't, because the way we see each other has changed over the years. This is a very young nation, and we've grown up. Oh, but Annie, we had segregation up until 1964. Did we? Ah, yes, we did. Now, I believe it was the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery, and that was 1865. And it took a century before black Americans tore down that barrier, but tear it down they did, and it was not an easy ride. Do we have segregation today? No, we don't, because we have moved on and we see each other differently. And that bothers the establishment so very much, and that's why they came up with critical race theory and political correctness and wokeism and with all the rest of that BS, because every time we see that our country is improving, and we're really doing the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, equality, we are all equal thing. Well, the establishment can't possibly have that. So they tell all these young people, yes, but there was slavery. Yes, but there was segregation. It's not happening now, is it? No, we've grown up. We've moved on. Shut up with all this rubbish and take a look at where your country is now and take your heads out of your asses. Our unity our commitment to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, to our new definition of equality, it pains the establishment. Because anything resembling love, harmony, equality, those are vibrations they cannot fight against. Because those vibrations come from the place from which our souls were forged. Source, the divine, the islands of paradise. So all you woke blokes out there. I mean, you woke idiots, I'm sorry, but you are idiots, and that is not a judgment, that's an observation. All of you wokists should just shut up and stop eating from the big spoon of establishment lies. Reclaim your minds and come up with an original thought once in a while. Thoughts that unite mankind and expand consciousness and stop parroting the artificial intelligence propaganda before you lose yourselves completely to it. You are voluntarily giving up your God-given right to freedom of choice because you insist on listening to the mainstream voice. I am so fed up with you all. Oh, I need a drink. Drink. Where's my drink? Excuse me. Going to have a drink. Drinky poo. Mm. Not bad. Growing on me. I'm going to be polite because, you know, I went to an English boarding school and we were taught to be polite. I'm going to call you silly, but silly doesn't, doesn't begin to explain the level of evil you allowed into our world with your um, gullibility, your naivety. In my line of work, we call that being a useful idiot. Useful to the darkness, by the way, and not to the light. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe we're still having these conversations. What else should we talk about, darlings? Hmm. People are waking up, and I'm delighted for that. Um, but people seem surprised to find that certain government factions are actively discussing the end of all private ownership. What does that mean? The end of private ownership, the agenda behind this farce, means the end of individual sovereignty, which is the cabal, the establishment's endgame for us. Is this what you truly want? 
Think about it. The end of private ownership is the end of individual sovereignty on the physical realm. Is this what you consider the expansion of consciousness? Did you come down to this realm bursting at the seams with glorious divine cosmic energy, progeny of source? Did you do that to submit to total mind control? Did you really? Do you ever think about things like that? To those people, I say, really, whatever planet you came from, please return, because no self-sovereign being on this realm will bend the knee. We choose autonomy over life as automatons. People, it's staring you in the face. At this point, it's beyond obvious. Now, yes, you, you may think, oh, you're being so rude and you're shouting and you're screaming. I'm not really shouting and screaming. I have a mild buzz from this cocktail and I'm a little bit miffed. You know, if you will just... Open your eyes to what's going on around you and just break the shackles of your ego-driven programming and just say, oh, my God, my very existence is in danger here, is being threatened. Do some investigation. Talk to some people. Go knock on the door of your local conspiracy theorist who is actually somebody who just recognizes patterns and knows what's going on and discuss it. You don't have to be entrenched. It's not you that's entrenched. It's your ego. The ego is a corrupt software program introduced into your personality to stop you from understanding what's true, what's woo and what gets flushed down the loo. You see, look around you today and this is what happens when you treat incarnations as spectator sports. And the same thing applies to citizenship. Who runs your mind? Who runs your country? Who runs your mind? Who runs your country? The correct answer is I run my mind in alignment with the divine. I, as a member of we the people, run my country because we have a system of government by consent. What is that? Let's channel Thomas Jefferson and ask him, and I think he would have said something along the lines of only the people can save America. Who will govern the governors? There is only one force in the nation that can be depended upon to keep the government pure and the governors honest, and that is the people themselves. They alone, if well informed, are capable of preventing the corruption of power and of restoring the nation to its rightful course if it should go astray. We are astray. Hint, hint. We are astray. They alone are the safest depository of the ultimate powers of government. Why, thank you, Thomas Jefferson, for popping in there to speak with us today. He would also say big government is a big no-no. The founding fathers knew that, having suffered under the yoke of British imperialism. Now, to quote John Darish, who wrote a very nice book, um, it's either called Governing by Consent or Consent of the Government. But it's a lovely little book. Um, and I think it's called Government by Consent. And he would say, we the people have lost our way. Liberty's candle has waxed cold. The minions have woven a web, woven a web of deceit. And the demigods promise liberty while they themselves are the ser servants of corruption. Oh, I could even say serpents of corruption too. Our servants have become our masters. They have cast their spell upon us, transforming the American dream into a new world order nightmare. Only when we the people rise up to stand up against tyrants in our government, will we be able to return to our former status under common law. In order to accomplish this, 
all of us must first be educated in the law of the land. This is the challenge that must be met if we are to save our republic. What is the highest law of the land, my darlings? Sing it out. It is the Constitution. Thomas Jefferson, do you have anything else to say to us? Why, yes, honey, I do. Educate and inform the whole mass of the people. They are the only sure reliance for the preservation of our liberty. I know no safe depository of the ultimate powers of the society, but the people themselves. And if we think them not enlightened enough to exercise their control with a wholesome discretion, the remedy is not to take it from them, but to inform their discretion by education. This is the true corrective of abuses of constitutional power. An enlightened citizenry is indispensable for the proper functioning of a republic. Self-government is not possible unless the citizens are educated sufficiently to enable them to exercise oversight. It is therefore imperative that the nation see to it that a suitable education be provided for all its citizens. Oh, I need a drink. Hold on. Mm. 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 I'm quite refreshed. Darlings, do you see how easy it was for the establishment to convince us of just about anything? I mean, how easy was it for them to convince mankind that overpopulation is a problem? Is it? I don't think it is. Overpopulation isn't a problem because we're not overpopulated. Underpopulation, also known as near extinction, is a much greater potential threat. We have more than enough room to live, eat, drink and poop harmoniously if we manage our resources properly. And who, pray tell, is gung-ho to own all resources and manage them in ways that ensure depopulation? Yes, ding, ding, you've got it. It is the establishment. And they stand ready to herd the starving remnants of mankind into camps under their control. Now, you all laughed at me, not martini heads, but many people laughed at me when I spoke of this over the years. But those who paid attention are not laughing now. They're frowning, and some are just deer in the headlights, not knowing what to do. Mainstream news is a farce. It's changing slowly, but it still is a farce. So pay attention and act on your instinct, or you will end up on your ass. If we don't pay attention, they will continue to do what they've been doing, which is to take away all that is whole and holy and wholesome, inch by inch, until the stark reality of your gullibility stares you smack in the face. And then, when it's in your face, will it be too late? Will you have the courage, the presence of mind, the mind that was neglected for so long, to take decisive action? Or will you collapse in a heap and whimper and weep and continue to beg for crumbs under a fully laden table, the fruits of which were provided to the establishment by the sweat of your brow? All these messages we get from the corporate overlords who have deep pockets and have bought the peons posing as politicians. I mean, they're going to have you, oh my God, oh my God, oh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Icebergs are melting and you will drown unless you pay our new taxes. 
isn't it amazing how they think that climate change can be reversed by we the people paying them more taxes? Who falls for that? Oh my God, oh my God, we have released a new contagion and you will all die unless you comply and give up your sovereignty. Huh? Oh my God, oh my God, a woman in Chicago was raped, so all men must cut off their dangly bits. You know, we were getting to a place, we were really trying to think about small government, self-sufficiency, libertarian ideals, unity. We were all kind of getting to a place where we were getting along. But every time that happens, the cabal does something for the divide and conquer agenda. Now, they don't want this enlightened state of mind. Oh no, they're censoring everything. And believe me, they will, if they can, they'll turn off the utilities, they'll burn the food supplies, and it'll be, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, until they eventually convince you that the only way to stay alive is to eat your own recycled feces. And you know, you think I'm joking? I'm actually not. I mean, who thought we'd ever get to a point where you'd be eating bugs? I mean, what are you, John the Baptist? You're going to go, you know, oh, I'll do a 40-day fast. I'm out there in the desert, in the, in the wilds of Syria, wherever he was. Well, I'm a bit peckish. Oh, I'll have a nice juicy locust and, and a bit of honey. Well, that'll keep you going. That's lovely. But it's not a way to survive, you see, because human bodies are not supposed to digest chitin. We're not supposed to digest bugs. Someone asked me the other day, um, and boy, have I had some strange requests lately. I mean, I, you know, I've talked to you before about people's mental health getting a bit rocky lately. But um, I mean, it just seems that every day I don't know what's going to be on my voicemail. It, it's an exercise in, um, I don't know what is an exercise in. It's an exercise in, Arnie, can you keep your cool and not laugh? But someone asked me the other day the meaning of the whore of Babylon. And that's a good question. They say, Arnie, the whore of Babylon. Whore is a terrible word. I don't like it. It's a bit like the C word. I don't like it. It doesn't have a good resonance. Um, and I certainly wouldn't apply it to a working girl, a sex worker. Whore is something far worse than that. So they would say, Arnie, the whore of Babylon, is it a person? Is it one person? Is it the Pope? Is it the Antichrist? Who is it? Well, it's all of them. My definition of the whore of Babylon is the establishment that seeks to turn mankind from its true divine path into perpetual debauchery. Now, for those of you who've read Tyndale's book, The Practice of the Prelates, and I'm sure you all have, Tyndale was the guy, the, uh, the Protestant reformer. He was the chap who translated the Bible into English. He refers to the Pope as the whore of Babylon, and, and somehow that stuck. And we know the Vatican is not good juju, but we also know the Vatican is not the only outpost of evil. It's a big one, but it doesn't stand alone. So for me, the whore of Babylon is the establishment. Um, let's see if I can remember anything from Revelations on that. Um, Revelation 17. Um, then one of the seven angels who had one of the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and with the wine of those whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. 
and he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes and of the earth's abominations. Well, boy, that doesn't sound good, does it? I mean, I wouldn't want to go against her. But there's good news. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. And then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Oh, love that old fashioned language there. But also I know far too much about dark arts and uh, the sexual rituals of Luciferians. Uh, not because I am one, I am not. But it's my area of expertise, and these are the people that I have been fighting against all my life. I know quite a bit about them, and I went off on a tangent, didn't I? I did. <laughs> but it's okay, because it's my show, and I can go off on a tangent if I please. Because it says so right here in the 28th Amendment, and the podcaster is free to cast her pod in any manner she sees fit, with no restriction or limitation made upon her. Mm. How shall I wrap this up? I guess I'll, I'll just say this for now. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute depotism, it is their right, it is their duty 
to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove these, let the facts be submitted to a candid world, and then they list all of the grievances, of which there are many. America declared independence from the British establishment with good reason, but if you think the British establishment simply tucked its tail and walked away, you would be mistaken. There is a war on the minds of our citizens, and we must act to prevent the rot from spreading. I came here as part of my life's soul path because America has a sacred purpose, and I will not rest until we reach those safer waters. True Americans do not delegate their salvation to some mythical army of freedom fighters. True Americas, no matter their color, their creed, their deeds, their misdeeds. We are not descended from fearful men. We are not descended from fearful women. True Americans do not delegate their salvation. They take matters into their own hands. And my darlings, I think we're going to have to wrap it up for today. I have finished my drink, and as always, that means the end. Today's real-life cocktail was a classic from Trade of X Bartender Guide 1947 <laughs> edition. It's called the American Beauty, and here's how you make it. One ounce of brandy, half an ounce of dry white vermouth, half an ounce of orange juice, half an ounce of grenadine, and have handy a teaspoon of port wine. All the ingredients except the port wine throw it in your little, um, you know, strainer thing, shake it over cracked ice, strain and pour into an ice cocktail glass. The sweeter it is, the colder it has to be. And then you float your port wine on the top and you sip and you enjoy. And you must remember, folks, cocktails are great. They really are. I love them. But they must be an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Arnie, exceptionally mad shaman Avidician. This was a metaphysical martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Big thank you to all our martini heads for listening in, and to Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington, for kindly distributing this show throughout the known universe. Until we meet again, save the Republic, and you can do that best by letting the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Avdesian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com.